Hi, I'm Alan. And I'm Alexis. We had five kids in seven years. People think we're crazy, and sometimes we think they might be right. But most of the time, we love it. We hope this is a place where you can learn to be a better parent, but without taking yourself too seriously. Whether you're a new parent or have a few years under your belt, we hope you can find something new to think about. Or laugh about. After all, this is Parenting in Real Life. Hey everyone, we are so excited to have Stephanie Jones with us today, and she is going to be talking to us all about giving and gratitude and kindness, and I feel like this is such an important topic to share with our kids. But before we jump into the interview, we're going to have Stephanie share with us a little bit about herself. Oh yeah, thank you so much for having me, Alexis. Stephanie Jones, I'm an author, both nonfiction and children's book series. But my journey started in this giving and kind of gratitude space is I set a goal. I can't believe it was 2011, January 1st, 2011, to give a gift every day for a year. Me, one person looking to make a difference in one other person's life each and every day. And I did that 365 days, actually blew past that, gave a gift every day for 522 consecutive days. And I say that journey changed my life. I found that there were hundreds, if not thousands of ways to give. Gifts could be very simple. You know, my definition of a gift was give and expect nothing in return. And I still live on that journey, even though I missed day 523. I've been giving a gift almost every day for a decade. And so some days it's, you know, you get in an elevator and you say, okay, today I'm going to have a conversation with a stranger and, you know, maybe brighten their day, tell them to have a good day when you get out of it and really just paying attention and look for those opportunities. So that's a little bit about my journey, how I got started and, you know, how I started writing books and speaking on the topic. So I love that. So I'd love to hear more about these gifts. So it sounds like these aren't things that you have to purchase necessarily. So give us some examples of some gifts that you gave. Yeah, I'll give one example was I was on an airplane, a kid was crying and I knew he just needed his ears to pop. I had gum, you know, so it's like find the gum, give it to the parents. And, you know, so it was something that simple, just paying attention. One day I got a big fruit basket as a gift. There were fruit in there, one that I didn't like, two, I knew I wasn't going to be able to eat everything in the basket. And so I just repackaged some of it up and took it over to my neighbor's house. I did breakfast. We have churches during the winter that do like warming centers for the homeless. And so they ask volunteers to sign up for breakfast. And so I signed up that morning for breakfast. I forgot to take like four gallons of milk. And one of my neighbors had three growing boys. And so I text her, can you use milk? I have all these gallons of milk. And, you know, so I was walking across the street and one gift turned into two gifts. My husband's an Indiana State Trooper, and we've had three friends killed in the line of duty. So I understand what that feels like. But that year, I wrote to every family who had lost an officer in the line of duty. My gifts many days was either writing. Unfortunately, you know, there was a lot of line of duty deaths, but writing notes of encouragement, writing thank you notes to people. And volunteering, you know, that's another gift that we can give. So I was always on the lookout in my community of, you know, who needed volunteers for an event. And that was fun because I was newer to the community. And so I say, you know, people that I met during that giving journey are still my friends now that I met through volunteering. So those are some of the highlights. I have the whole list on my website, but those are some that just pop up in my head right now. <laughs> oh, I love that. So I'll definitely put the link to that in the show notes so people can get ideas. Because I feel like 
sometimes I'm like, yeah, I want to do that. But then I don't really know what to do or what that looks like. So I love that you have a list of things that people can do. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, we have a couple of points that we're going to talk about today. So one of the things that we wanted to talk about was ways that parents or caretakers can illustrate giving and gratitude in the home. So what are some ways that as parents, we can demonstrate this to our kids? Sure. I always say the first one is starting by the words that you speak. We tell our children to be kind, use kind words, you know, speak kind to each other. And I'm not a parent, so I do want to say that. I'm not a parent, but I do write kids' books and, and speak in schools and to mom's groups. But is watching the words that we speak because our kiddos are going to emulate what we say. So think about if you see something on TV or somebody on TV and you're like, oh, I hate that person or I don't like that person. I always say is start there. Also, what I love about our words is we can turn those into compliments. So, you know, telling your children, you know, maybe they did their own hair that day. Oh, your hair looks great. Or, you know, they got a new shirt. Whatever it is, is teaching kids the power of a compliment to give to their friends, their teachers. So that's one that I love. And that's one anybody can give. It doesn't matter how much money you have or how much time is the words that we speak and giving compliments. Two is physical gifts. So, you know, if you have a family that's maybe a little bit more athletic or maybe not, is looking for a local 5K that's supporting a nonprofit. It's a great way, one, to get out of the house, two, connect, and three, support, and maybe meet other people in your community, you know, that have a love for that organization. And like I said, is you don't have to run it. You can walk it as a family. Or be on the lookout, you know, if there's something maybe your local park is doing a trash collection day where, you know, I know you're in Utah, I'm in Indiana, we get a lot of snow and something happens when the snow disappears. You see a lot of garbage and trash. And so, you know, going out and participating in something like that, your time and your talent. So looking at what are your kids, especially as they get older, you know, what do they have a love for or a talent? Can they use that talent to help an organization, to help a neighbor out? If it's love to mow the lawn, I know that sounds like terrible to some kids, but there might be a kid out there who loves to mow the lawn, to be outside, to pick weeds or to be in a garden and plan. There's community gardens. So thinking about the talents that your children have, And then I also say is money. And this one can vary, you know, is budgets might be tight and that's okay. That's why I like to give a lot of other ideas. But is as your kids start to earn money, have that giving jar, have them, you know, a dime for every dollar, but then let them play a role in deciding of, okay, what are you going to do with those dollars? Is there a kid at school? Maybe they want to help. Maybe there's a need that their teacher has, you know, and they can buy that need for their teacher. Or maybe there is somebody in their community, whatever it is. That's a great way to start teaching kids about their money. How can they save it to give away and then letting them be involved in giving those dollars away. So those are just a couple of ones that I have on the top of my mind. I love that. I'm curious. So My kid's school is doing a coat and blanket drive this week at the school and whatever classrooms hit 20, like donate 20 items, they get an ice cream party. And I'm like, I was thinking like, is that good? Should we be motivated by rewards? Is it a good start or is it fine? I don't know. I just want to know your opinion on that. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, so if we go back to what my definition of a gift is, is give and expect nothing in return. So right now, these kids are expecting 
you know, there is a chance for us to get something in return. But I also say if that is a way that we can motivate and inspire our kids and what's the messaging that we're telling them, you know, is we should all be participating regardless if we get ice cream or not. The ice cream may just be a gift that the school is giving back to the kiddos and having fun. So I think it's our messaging and how we position it. But I mean, you know, you think about nonprofits do this all the time. If you give us $50 or 100 you know, we send you a blanket or whatever it is. They're giving you something. But I always say, teach kids that there should never be an expectation tied. They should look at their heart. They should see a need in their school or in their community. And they should just be giving, you know, with that cheerful part, they should just be giving because it's a good thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Not that they're going to get anything in return. Now, what I found over my journey is you do get things in return. Giving feels good. (laughs) You know, it feels good for us to give. There's science and research behind that. Sometimes those gifts do come back. We end up getting something that we don't expect. So Mm, love that. That's awesome. So Stephanie has written some really cute children's books. And one of them that we just read, I read with my youngest, The Christmas Cookie Extravaganza. This one is really interesting because it shows a a little girl who has some weaknesses and she's not focusing on her strengths. So how do you think that we can help children find their strengths without being discouraged by these weaknesses that they have? Right. So, yeah, I wrote that book. It's based off of a real life event. And that is the second book in the Giving Gal series. And so this little girl shows up to this you know, which I say is a real life event where we get together at Christmas and we bake cookies. What I love it is it's a lesson outside of Christmas also, is we're not all good at everything. And I think first, that's a message that we need to convey to kids is we don't have to be good at everything. You're never going to be the best artist, painter, writer, the list goes on and on. I think a lot of times kids do have that pressure. And then when they fail, they're not as good that's really, really difficult to deal with. So I think starting with understanding this, we're not good at everything, but also being an encourager and paying attention. So that's what happens in this book is the little girl that comes to the party that's new is she can't find what she's good at. But two things happen is one, the character doesn't give up. That's a great gift that we can teach our kiddos is don't give up on your friends. Don't give up on yourself. The gift of encouragement And what we find is she eventually finds what she's good at and what she loves. And guess what? It's a little bit different. She loves popcorn and she loves making things out of popcorn and decorating. That's different than the cookies. And that's okay also because, you know, when we all come together with our strengths, that's how magical moments happen in our lives. It wouldn't be fun if we all had the same strengths in the world. So I think it's one, being okay is we're not strong with everything. Two, whoever you're surrounding yourself with is encourage them. And then when they really find what they're good at is how do you let them pour in? How do you let them kind of let that shine, whatever it is? And it might seem a little odd. I was like, okay, why, why do they like this? But you never know where that's going to take them in life or what they're able to do with that one little strength that they have. So yeah. And now for a quick break. 
My daughter Cameron is getting back into lacrosse season, and so I asked her if she wanted to work out with me in the morning to get back into shape. So we've been doing MOSA on-demand workouts. It's been really fun to do workouts with her. And while there is equipment that you can purchase, they also have workouts where you don't need any equipment at all. And so we can do those workouts together. We're also going to Arizona for a week, and Alan was just asking me how he was going to keep up his workout streak while we're gone. And I told him that we can do MOSA workouts together because we don't need any equipment to bring with us. MOSA has hundreds of on-demand workouts and recoveries for everyone. I especially love that they're enjoyable and driven by music. And as a listener of this podcast, you get 30 days free on top of a 14-day trial with the coupon code REALLIFE30. So after the 44 days, it's only $9.99 a month. So visit mosaondemand.net or click on the link in the show notes and make sure to use the promo code REALLIFE30 for that 44-day free trial. You are going to love these workouts. How do you encourage kids who maybe feel like something is a weakness? But I think as parents, we kind of see like, wow, they actually have some skill or talent in this, but they have a hard time seeing it themselves. Like I have a daughter who is an artist, but she compares herself a lot to other people and she feels like her stuff's not good enough or it's not perfect or whatever. And so she's kind of stopped doing art because she doesn't like the outcome of her stuff. How do I help encourage her to keep doing the art, even though she feels like she's not good at it? Yeah, well, I think a couple of things is one, the comparison is really hard, especially nowadays with social media. And even if kids aren't on it, they're comparing themselves. And I think as adults, that's something we have to constantly be doing is not comparing ourselves. So I think it has to start there if that's what her blocker is, comparing herself. And maybe she's thinking she's not as good to somebody else. But also is, you know, is that really her passion? Is that the reason that she stopped doing it and maybe have some conversations, which may be difficult, you know, why did you stop? And if you love that, how can we support it? And maybe it's doing it together. You know, maybe it's a class that's getting her involved in. But I I was reading something one day, too, is making sure that we don't get confused of a skill versus a strength. So a skill being something they are good at, but they really don't enjoy it. They just have that skill. They're good at it. But a strength is really something that not only are they good at, but they really kind of get that little pep in their step, that energy from doing it. So those might be some things to think about, you know, as she has this creativity in herself, but what might be blocking her from doing something. So... Yeah, that's really interesting. I haven't heard that like a skill versus a strength. So yeah, that would definitely be something I could ask her about. And I think having, like you said, those conversations of just asking her why she's not doing it and see if we can come, yeah, figure out the root of the problem. Like, is it just she just doesn't want to or is she afraid, you know, or whatever the reason could be. But I love that having that conversation. And I think this is hard as an adult to grasp. So it's really hard for a kiddo to grasp is, We never understand where somebody is in our journey. So we may be comparing ourselves to another student that has had five years of going to an art class. And maybe your daughter hasn't had anything. So that other student might be a little bit better because she's got five years on her. So I think that's the other thing is realizing is we're not all at the same starting point. I mean, I even look at it in my writing. If I look at my first book, oh my gosh, you have to start somewhere. But if you keep with it and you're consistent, 
you do see improvement. And that's exciting when you can see that improvement and compare your last art to now what you're doing now and, and compare and almost a little bit compete with yourself as opposed to competing with somebody who you're making assumption of where they are in life and what their experience is and what got them there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I feel like that is especially hard on social media, which, yeah, my kids aren't on there yet because they're a little too young for that. But I think especially as adults and where we see people and they're showing their best things and their skills and stuff like that. And it's so easy to compare um, where they are because they're showing you their best stuff, right? Versus where you could be. So yeah, it's definitely not not just kids, adults too. Not, that's what I've learned is a lot of these lessons, it's like, oh, okay. I think that's a good conversation to have with your children also is we struggle with these things also. Like mom and dad, we struggle with that. Because I think there is a lot of pressure on kiddos. And sometimes we do feel like we're the only ones because nobody's talking about that. I talk about in all my books is I got diagnosed with dyslexia at the age of 39, you know, right before my book came out. Nobody was talking about it. I didn't know what dyslexia was or what it looked like. So I spent all my school years thinking I was stupid, wondering why I struggled reading aloud when my classmates could do it. When it wasn't that I was stupid, it was I just had something that was a little bit different in my brain. And if I would have known that, you know, now that I know it, it's like, oh, OK, that's OK. I'm a little bit different than everybody else. You know, I might need some accommodation. So I think that's the other thing, too, is sometimes kids feel alone in what they're doing or where their struggles are at and think I'm the only one. And it's like, no, like you talked about on social media, everybody's struggling. Nobody's putting it out there having those conversations. So yeah, that's so interesting. I feel like I've seen a lot on social media that I mean, like people just sharing that they've been diagnosed with things as adults. Like I've seen a lot of people say now they know they have ADD or, you know, whatever, and they didn't realize it. And they've struggled all these years because they didn't know what they had. They didn't have the tools and resources for it. But now that they know, then they can just excel from there because they know what, what they need to do to like help themselves be better. Yeah. So you think about it, if that's how we feel as adults, mm -hmm. what if we had that when we were a child? It helps them, yeah, be the best version of themselves, whatever that is. Yeah, love that. The third thing that we want to talk about is leading with kindness. And so do you feel like, is this something that as adults we need to do? Or is this something, I mean, I guess, how can we show our children how to do this? Does this need to start with us? <laughs> I just think it needs to start with parents and caretakers. I think a lot of times in the world, we make assumptions on people. Think about driving down the road and you see when someone on the side of the road with a sign going back to the conversation, what's the conversation we're having with the kiddos about the side of the road? We're making a lot of assumptions about that person where we don't know, maybe they had been in the military and they've come back and they've struggled and they've got PTSD. Maybe they had a wife or a spouse pass away, you know, and they had a good life. And then they, you know, we never know what somebody's story is or what's going through. And so if we can lead with kindness I have seen over and over again, when leading with kindness, somebody will open up. You ask somebody a question about, how are you doing today? How can I help you? That you start to find and you peel back these layers of, oh, they were having a really bad day or there's something else going on instead of jumping to whatever the worst conclusion is. So I think that's something as parents and caretakers and those, you know, I'm an aunt. So I'm always, you know, trying to model that in the lives of the children that 
my niece and nephew and children that I come out with. So I think we have to start first and set that. But then also teaching kids of, you know, a lot of times the children in schools who are bullying, those that are acting out, have behavior issues. They got a lot of things going on instead of being mean and, you know, talking about that student and making assumptions is how can we show kindness to that student? They're probably not getting it at home. They probably got some home issues. We also know that children that do have learning disabilities, such as dyslexia and others, is they get so frustrated. They don't know how to verbalize it because nobody's told them that that's what they have is the only way that they can do it is through outside behaviors, through cheating, through <laughs> causing disturbances. So I think that we can never go wrong if we're leading in kindness. Mm, love that. You know? Yeah. We have a book called Enemy Pie. I don't know if you've ever heard of that no, one. No, I haven't. It's really cute. It's a good one, though. <laughs> yeah, it's about this little boy who is in a fight with one of his, I think it's a neighbor or a classmate or something. So his dad's like, ah, we should make enemy pie. And so they make him this pie. And the boy thinks it's going to be like a bad thing. So that he's going to like say, yes, you know, see, and but ends up being a kindness thing, you know, and they end up giving him this pie and little boys become friends, but it's really cute. And so end of the story was they do become friends, right? Where they started out as struggling with each other. And I think often that can happen. Like you said, when we, if we just kind of assume that people are struggling with things because they are, everybody is. But if you do treat someone with kindness first, oftentimes they could end up being a friend or just a really good person, a good conversation or something like that, you know? You never know what's going to come out of it. The first book, Giving Gal, I mean, that's what it is. She goes to a senior living community to visit her grandmother and there's a grumpy, you know, man there and nobody knows why he's grumpy. Nobody's taken the time, though, to figure out why he's grumpy. And the little character, Gabby, is she is persistent in figuring out and he's grumpy because he had to leave something at home that he had to leave behind. And, you know, I think those are great illustrations for our kids to say, we never know what somebody's going through. I remember hearing a speaker once and she was talking about her child coming home and being really mad and really angry. Well, wasn't angry or mad. There was something else going on and it was just asking some questions. And they were actually really sad and really scared about something. But anger can be like that secondary emotion that we have come out when we're scared of something or we're afraid. So, yeah, I was just recently talking to a pediatrician who's been working, you know, a kid seemed to have a lot more anxiety and depression than they used to. And he said that was one of the signs of anxiety was anger. And I was surprised because I was like, oh, I I mean, I experienced anxiety as a kid and I have a daughter who definitely has some anxiety and it's the very typical, like, you know, you can tell, but I have a son who's very angry sometimes and I'm just like, man, what is this deal? But I didn't even think like it could be anxiety. I mean, we would have to dive deeper into that, but like he could just be struggling with things that I don't even realize because it's coming across as anger. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's hard to work with, (laughs) deeper and asking questions. You know, I always say that's a good gift too, that we can teach our kids is how do we have conversations? We live in this world where we have phones and we're texting, but we can learn so much. I think too, we live in a world that seems so divided. You can ask a good couple of questions and you'll learn like, well, we have a lot more in common than what we have different. But sometimes we focus on the differences as opposed to our commonalities, what unites us. 
And I think that's a good thing to ask kids is, you know, yeah, if you have somebody acting out, you know, is let's have a conversation with them. Ask them questions about themselves. What do they like? What's their favorite animal? What's their favorite color? Do they like sports? Do whatever it is just to get them to know and to make a connection. And to your point earlier, it's like, you know, you may discover a friend in the process. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much. I feel like we have a lot that we can definitely work with our kids on. But also ourselves, which it always seems to come down to that, though, that it always starts with the parent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but before we go, Stephanie, if you can share with us where our listeners can find you and also about your books, we'd love to, to know about that. Yeah, absolutely. So givinggal.com or givinggalbooks.com, which is my children's books, children's resources. And yeah, I have six books now, so I won't go through them all, but you can find them on the website. But the children's book is Giving Gal. And then giving out the Christmas cookie extravaganza, which is, you know, just teaching kids about kindness and how can we can give to others positivity, encouragement, persistence. So, yeah, thank you. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being here. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at Parenting IRL Podcast or find us on our website at ParentingInRealLife.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, make sure to tell a friend. That's the best way for people to find out about our podcast. And if you haven't already, give us a rating. And a special thanks to our five kids for being kids. <laughs>